welcome back. The second podcast in 48 hours. Don't say we're not uh, giving you what you want. Well, probably not what you want. We're just trying very hard. Anyway, um, joining me today, Brett Emerson, the great man, calling in from uh, New South Wales. Very good to have you back on the pod. Brett, how are you? Great, thank you. Uh, good to be here, guys. And also joining me today, Kieran McKeown. Yeah, McKeown would be my uh, Irish pronunciation. Ah, cool. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Sportsbet's head soccer trader, uh, the man with all the numbers, and uh, the person who you're winning money off if you're betting with Sportsbet this uh, <laughs> uh, this World Cup. Um, Brett, we'll dive straight into it. Um, the Socceroos, uh, very keen to get your thoughts. Um, the big controversy coming out of the game, the, the sort of the VAR decision. Um, can you just give us your sort of general impressions of how the boys performed and then... And then if you can, um, bring yourself to some uh, some views on that VAR, whether you think it was right or wrong. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think um, everyone's of the opinion that the uh, the boys performed um, exceptionally well against France. Um, in saying that, I think uh, France were well off their best and they actually allowed our boys to, to play well. Um, but as you can see, um, after a few weeks in, in camp under Bert Van Malik, they're, they're definitely uh, well organised. Um, they were very compact, and, and France really found it hard to, to break us down. So that bodes well um, going into to the next matchup against Denmark. And if we see much more of the same, I think we'll be a, a good chance to uh, get a result. And how did you feel about the, the VAR decision? I think. Um... 95% of Australians feel that um, that Risden made contact with the ball and then therefore any incidental contact that comes after that is is part of the tackle and therefore probably not a foul. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I agree 100%. I think um, the initial touch from Risden is there. And um, in my opinion, what happens after, after that initial touch is irrelevant. So um, I think we've been a little bit hard done by there. And um, it just seems obviously the way with Australian teams and World Cups, we get uh, the big decisions go against us and the big teams get them going for them. So um, anyway, that's that's football and the boys need to put that behind them and uh, concentrate on the upcoming games. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think, um, you know, it's made the point yesterday that if this ha- if this game happens five years ago, um, it's likely that Australia would have won the two goals coming via um, technological intervention, shall we say. Um, the sort of big positives coming out of the game, a lot of people talking about Trent Sainsbury's performance. He was a man mountain at centre-half. Um, were you pleased with his performance or were there other sort of positives that sort of, um, I guess, superseded that for you? No, I think um, he was probably the main man, and I think going into the game, I I always said if we were to have any chance, he would have to have a a big performance, and he certainly did that. Um, to be honest, each and every time um, Trent pulls on that Aussie jersey, he seems to go to another level. And um, no, he's he's a player I really um, enjoy watching. He's he's calm and and relaxed on the ball, and I think he's a a good leader to have there out on the pitch. And um, it's probably just the last thing we'll talk about in this game then. The um, Hernandez, the French left-back, right-back, left-back. Um, probably some of the poorest diving I've seen 
in <laughs> in, in in my entire life. The uh, continually grabbing his head throughout the game at even just the slightest contact with any part of his body, it seemed to resonate straight to his head. Have you any thoughts on that? Do you think that's the type of thing that maybe VAR should be looking at? Like, it seems strange to me that you have this amazing technology that isn't being used to um, look at instances like that, instances of blatant and continual um, simulation. Yeah, I, th- I think um, I don't think we can use the VAR too much throughout the game, but if uh, if there is simulation, I think there there should definitely be harsher punishments than what players receive at the moment. Um, it's it's something that's been going on for, for a very long time, and I know myself personally, I I hate seeing it. I think it's uh, it's disgusting, but. Um, I like that you've used the uh, word disgusting there, Brett. That's that is the that is the right word. It's a strong word, but I feel the right word. I mean, it's it's also we we want to do the best to win for our team, but I think that's that's taking it a, a little a little step too far, and um, we need to find a way to, I guess, punish the the culprits. Absolutely. Um, did you uh, manage to stay up last night and watch England Tunisia, or were you uh, tucked up in bed? No, I uh, I actually. Well, got up early this morning to uh, catch the game. <laughs> and uh, what did you think? <laughs> so, well, both both my uh, young boys are born in England, so they they like to support the English as well, unfortunately. But um, no, they they actually performed quite well, especially in the first forty five minutes. I thought they um, created um, many chances, which uh, unfortunately they didn't uh, didn't finish. But um, signs are good. Um, and I think um, if they continue to play in the, the same manner, then they they could have a decent World Cup. Absolutely. Kieran, it's probably the time we bring in a dispassionate voice here. I'll give my views later. I'll try and keep them as, as short as humanly possible because um, I can't imagine they're going to be too much fun for many Australians to listen to. But um, uh, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I think you're not going to gain too much kind of knowledge on, on that game against Tunisia on how England will fare kind of later into the tournament. They did what they needed to do. Obviously, Harry Kane is one of the best number nines in the world. Um, got two goals. So, yeah, he's up there in terms of top goal scorer. But, yeah, I mean, you know, they've done well. But um, we'll see later on, certainly when they play Belgium in the third game and then later on into the tournament to see how good they actually are. It was one of those games for me where um, in the first 10 minutes, Tunisia really didn't know what had hit them. Um, they were playing a very high line and were getting exposed behind by England's pace on the wings. And then England had three or four sort of guilt-edged chances, excuse the cliche, um, and they just didn't convert them. And it didn't seem like at the time that those were going to matter because it felt like England were going to rain down so many chances that they were banging three or four and it wouldn't matter, but they did come back to haunt them. Um, you, you know, I, I'm i not a subscriber to the... Um, to the usefulness of uh, advanced statistics. But, um, Kieran, you were telling me you were in England at halftime had created 2.4 expected goals, which apparently is um, more than any other team had done in the rest of the tournament at 90 minutes. Um, for me, Lingard and Ali were complete passengers. Um, they didn't seem to do anything at all. And, and when given opportunities, they were... I mean, at least Lingard was putting himself in the positions. Ali, I don't see... I don't remember him doing anything. Um Trippier, Maguire and Young were all excellent for me. Um, Walker was good apart from that elbow. What was he thinking, boys? I don't understand. It's the only, it was the first opportunity that Tunisia had their first foray forward. Um, their forward f- 
flings himself into the back of uh, Kyle Walker, f- looks for the elbow, seems, it almost seems to stoop into the elbow, throws himself on the ground and gets the penalty, rightly or wrongly. Um, I'm probably slightly biased. What was your view on it, Brett? Yeah, I think it's uh, <laughs> you, hit, you hit the nail on the head. What what was he thinking? Um, I guess only he knows. Um, all he had to do was was see the ball out. He had his body between himself and the uh, Tunisian defender. There was no danger there, and um, he's he's uh, caused it all himself. Um, and we've seen that a couple of times in this World Cup already. Just um, reckless defending, which have uh, ended up in penalties. There's been a lot of penalties so far. I think that was the seventh. Is that right, Kieran? Yeah, I think there's I think there's been eight penalties so far in the eight. 14 games, which is just phenomenally high. Staggering. Um, was there anyone who impressed you um, at all, Kieran? Was there anyone who, for you, was a, a sort of a standout? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've seen like there were so many chances in, in, in that first half. You know, Jesse Lingard certainly a couple of times um, really should have done better. Um, yeah, I think the guys that you mentioned, um, I thought they played quite well as well. Um, but yeah, Harry Kane, really it is about him and Sterling up front. That's where England have got the real kind of quality advantage over a lot of teams in this World Cup and I think that's where they'll have to make a pay is by scoring goals. Yeah, it came probably the first time that England have had a natural sort of poacher in the box and he really didn't do a lot other than the two other than get fouled and score the two goals um, and he was upended by one of the more um, blunt pieces of defending uh, shall we say from a corner how did you feel about that Brett the um, there was a corner in the first half Harry Kane dump tackled by um, a Tunisian defender uh, no VAR no penalty um, it feels like surely that that's what VAR is for uh, to correct those kind of decisions, and yet, and, and yet, nothing forthcoming. Yeah, I think, um, and that's a, that's what's uh, so difficult to understand about the VAR and the use of it. That um, why aren't they using it for situations um, such as the one you just you just talked about? Um, it, it was, uh, in my opinion, a, a, a definite definite penalty, and um, should have been um, should the VAR should have been utilised and. England should have been uh, gifted the opportunity. Absolutely. Um, the I would I will say for Gareth Southgate, who's a man who's um, his managerial chops are not ones that I um, I'm convinced by yet. But I was impressed with his um, changes. I thought Rashford and Loftus Cheek, um, you know, came on and added exactly what England needed at that moment in time, which was directness. They were just running straight towards the uh, uh, the Tunisian goal. Um, every time they got the ball, and I think that's that, that sort of created a bit of a, a wave of pressure towards the end um, that ended up in the goal. Um, but uh, not as convincing as as it might have been. Um, they're certainly going to come up against a better size than Tunisia going forward. Um, it looks like they'll probably qualify now for the uh, knockout stages. But um, Kieran, you were saying probably more advantageous to finish second almost in that group. Yeah, currently it, it certainly looks that way. I mean, given kind of what's happening in the other groups, it's really kind of up in the air. But as we kind of expect now that, that Mexico are likely to finish top of Group F and Germany second, and then also that Croatia um, top Group D and Argentina second, what you could um, envisage for the last 16 would be on one side of the draw having Uruguay, Portugal, France, Argentina, Brazil, Germany, Belgium and Poland, which is phenomenally strong. <laughs> that is, that is, wow. 
That's incredible. So, I mean, really, when you look at that, the other side having teams like Spain, Russia, Croatia, Denmark, Mexico, Serbia, Colombia, England, really, you know, from my eyes anyway, it seems that in Group G, you probably want to finish second to, uh, probably very, to increase your chances of winning the World Cup. <laughs> very, very definitely want to finish second. Let's just, fingers crossed for um, a, a, a low score. So what would England need to do only beat uh, Panama by one goal and then just look for a draw against uh, Belgium. That would be the perfect scenario for England, (laughs) I reckon. Well, you've heard it here first, guys. That's exactly what we need to do if we're going to win the World Cup. Anyway, probably people are boring, uh, bored by me. Joining on about England, and I apologise, we'll move on very swiftly now to uh, preview the games coming uh, this week. Um, We've got an odd little game here uh, this evening. Uh, Colombia, Japan. Um, Colombia, Brett's uh, dark horses for the whole tournament, the whole shebang pre-tournament um, against a Japanese team who you know, t- um, struggled for goals um, recently um, before they promptly banged in four in, a, uh, in their last friendly uh, before the tournament. They've got a new manager who's um, taking them back to the more traditional Japanese possession style game and uh, it seems to be working well for them. It's going to be an intriguing little match this, I think, actually, and and could spring up uh, an interesting result. How do you see this one going, Brett? Yeah, I uh, I like the look of the the Colombians. I think um, they're a well-balanced team and and up front they've got the likes of Falcao and the current... uh, Golden Boot holder Rodriguez, so I think they got they got plenty of goals in them, and um, I mean the South American teams so far in this tournament haven't um, fared too well, so I think uh, Colombia might might step up to the plate, and I think they'll be good for a. I'm going to go for a two nil win. Over the Japanese. <laughs> 2-0 win. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The um, Typically, the team that wins the World Cup are a team from the continent on which it is being played. Russia, of course, spanning Asia and Europe, um, and Japan obviously being part of Europe, uh, part of Asia. So maybe Japan to get a result here. That's just, you know, that's a silly rule. What are they paying? Do you know at all, Kieran? Japan tonight? Yeah, there's six bucks to uh, to beat Colombia tonight. Um, yeah, I actually fancy Colombia as well to to come through that game. Um, they actually played in the same group in 2014. Colombia won the group, won all games. Jap- Japan got one point. I think they've regressed a lot in the last few years as well. Um, I think the halftime full time at 275 is is probably the best bet tonight. Yeah, you love the old halftime full time. Lots of value to be had in, had in the halftime full time. It's great to add to your same game multis, of course. Poland versus Senegal, the uh, the next game tonight. Mane versus Lewandowski in uh, in many respects. Um, lots of people like this Poland side, um, um, Brett included, who is a big fan of Mr. Uh, Lewandowski. How do you see this one going? Uh, Poland, the overwhelming favourites. No, not overwhelming. Uh, slight favourites, $2.30. Senegal, three fifty. The draw, $3. Yeah, I, uh, I quite like Poland. I'm going to um, go for a 2-1 uh, Poland victory. Um I think they're they're two teams that play contrasting styles of football, um, so I think it, it quite be might be quite uh, entertaining. Um, Poland had a, a great uh, qualifying uh, uh, process where they they topped their group and uh, they look very strong. So up front, you mentioned Lewandowski; they got one of the the best uh, natural goal scorers in the world up front. So I think he might be the difference tonight. Well, um, the 2-1 scoreline paying $10 currently. Um, so that's a, a nice little chunk of change if you can get that one away. Who do you like in that one, Kieran? 
Yeah, it's it's a tricky game. I think Poland, they came through qualifiers really well. They won the group by five points, but they are quite weak defensively. They conceded the most goals of any European team who got to the World Cup. Obviously, Senegal have got some firepower as well. Um, you know, Sacco, ex-West Ham, Diouf with, with Stoke, and obviously the main man, Mane, as well. So I think both teams to score at $2 tonight is probably the way to go. Mm, very nice. Um <laughs> So Russia versus Egypt, uh, the return of Mo Salah, um, and also probably our first opportunity to find out how good this Russian side are. Um, that first game, a, a bit of a farce. Um, I'm not going to say it was fixed, but I think it probably was. Um, <laughs> uh, um, your, your thoughts on on this one, Brett? Yeah, it's um, yeah. I think that um, initial game was a, a very hard one to judge. Um, where Russia. Are at, but um, certainly was a, a convincing victory, and um, I think since then the expectations have ri- risen um, on obviously Russia doing well in this World Cup. So it's going to be interesting to see how the players react to that. Um, and obviously, like you've spoken about, the return of Mo Salah. So he's been uh, amazing this year. So everyone can't wait to see him out there on the pitch. But um, I'm going to go with a with a one one draw. The one one draw playing six fifty there, Brett. A nice little uh, nice little earner if you can get it. And Kieran, any uh, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I think Egypt certainly without Salah looked completely out of their depth against Uruguay. Uruguay could have scored um, three or four goals <coughs> quite easily. Obviously, Salah returns. It's difficult to read too much into into Russia against the Saudis, who you know they really have no place belonging at this World Cup, and um, they were out of their depth also. You know, I think the problem for Russia now is losing Zhagoev, who went off injured. Um, he's their main man. Uh, they had Golovin, who came on, did a really nice job, uh, kind of in his place there. So I think in this one, th- probably the draw. Yeah, three ten, the draw is probably the best bet. Very nice indeed. The uh, the next game, Portugal versus Morocco. Morocco, uh, one of my uh, sort of pre-tournament dark horses to get out of the group. I am. Um, I watched a few of their, their games, hearing that they were sort of this tiki taka light type side, and was and very impressed with them. And I thought they were desperately unlucky in their first game against just basically a well drilled uh, Iran side. They seemed to be a bit tactically tactically naive. I feel like being the underdogs in this game might suit them. Um, and and of course they are managed by uh, the best looking man in world football, actually Herve Renard. I showed this uh, the photo of Herve to my. Uh, to my girlfriend, and she promptly asked when they were next playing. So if you if you if you want to get your girlfriend or your partner or uh, in, into the football, this is probably a nice little window in because he really is a strikingly handsome man. Um, I actually think Morocco might get the the chockies in this one um, and upset Portugal. What do you guys think? No, I think uh, obviously they they will be uh, feeling hard done by. They they did play some uh, pretty good football against Iran and. I guess lost the game in in the worst way possible. Um, so I, I do give them a chance. Um, Ronaldo obviously sitting on three goals already, and uh, as we've spoken about earlier, I think the the golden boot is is almost won in the group stages. So I think um, tonight there's an opportunity for him to go out there and and get some more goals and and uh, lay his claim to to the golden boot for this year. But I think um, the Portuguese might be too good for Morocco in this one. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. 2-1 win. 
to Portugal. Um, Kieran, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, before the group started, I certainly was a was a big Morocco fan. I, I thought them to qualify out of the group um, was great value. At this stage, you know, certainly Portugal against Spain, you know, great going forward, but they looked all over the shop defensively. So I think in, in, in what we have in front of us here with, uh, you know, some good attacking Moroccan players like Ziyech, who was player of the year in Holland, I think uh, over two and a half goals might be the angle to take and um, paying around $2.10 tonight. Very nice. The uh, the 2-1 to Portugal, $8.50. Um, if you like uh, Brett's tip, and I think it's a, a pretty strong one. Uh, Iran versus Spain. Spain basically just going to get on back on track in this one, I, I would think, boys. Uh, we're going to skip a couple of games because they're absolute stinkers. Um, Spain paying $1.14. Iran, $21. That's the longest odds <laughs> I've seen of any team in the competition so Here far. Are, yeah. I thought Panama at $19 wasn't going to be beaten. There we are, $21 for Iran if you fancy them to get a result. Anyone want to take that one up? Brett? Spain 3, Iran 0. <laughs> Spain 3, Iran 0. I think that's probably just about the, the right shout there. Might be surprisingly short odds. It's $6.50. Um, Kieran? Yeah, I actually went for a correct score as well in this one. You know, I think Iran are really well set up with Quiros, um as manager. So I think Spain will win and Iran will definitely struggle to score. I think 2-0 at five boxes is the best bet. Very good indeed. And that brings us to the Socceroos' second game against Denmark um, in this one. Uh, Socceroos 460, Denmark 180. I personally think that we've got very little to fear from Denmark. They seem to be very lucky in that first game. Their centre-halves are very slow and I feel like we can exploit them with a bit of pace through the middle. Brett, what are your thoughts on this game? How can... Uh, how can the Socceroos get a result? I think uh, just just much much of the same uh, from the game against France. I think um, defensively we we're, we're very solid and and in possession uh, quite good. I think where we need to improve is just um, just in that final third of the park. Um, we didn't really create too many opportunities, but um, I think against. I guess the so-called weaker side than France, which I think Denmark are, I think we will be able to to open them up and uh, hopefully take our chances. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if there's any chain, changes um, throughout the starting 11. Um, Would you make any about. changes for this second game? Uh, it's, uh, I mean, there was talk about, obviously, Yadnak not starting in the first game. Um, has he done enough to... To keep his spot, he, he probably has, but um, it depends what what style of play you want to go for. Obviously, if uh, Masla Wongo comes in the team, it's someone who's a little bit more more creative. Um, or he could also come in for for Tommy Rogic as well. I think mm. it was. Um, I'm a big admirer of, of uh, Rogic, but um, I think unfortunately he hasn't uh, done too much in his his last couple of outings for the Socceroos so that's a, a potential change there as well and young Daniel Arzani should he be given the chance to start um, I think uh, again bigger admirer of his, his play but um, I think defensively does he give you enough um, or does Robbie Cruz um, shore up the team a little bit more Sorry, go on. Sorry, yeah. You feel like this is um, if the Socceroos are going to stay in this World Cup after the group stages, they've kind of got to get a result here. So you would think that this is a an opportunity to go out and attack. Um, and I think yeah, you know, I almost think this is a must win. I, I uh, 
I really like Peru against Denmark. I think they're 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 a quality team. So I think we've got uh, more of an opportunity to secure all three points in this game than we do in the last one. So the boys need to come up big. And uh, so, if with your with your most optimistic hat on, if if everything were to go the Socceroos' way, what would be the correct score at full time for you? Uh, I'm going to go for two one. Two one. Let's have a look <laughs> as he very quickly scrolls through his phone to try and find the two one eighteen dollars. So a big chunk of change. I think that's a I think that's a great shout. I can see Denmark scoring from probably a set piece, even though they're their set piece play in the first game was abysmal. The uh, delivery from Ericsson, who is typically absolutely excellent from set pieces, was atrocious. Um, surely they'll have corrected that for this game. But then I can see, I can very, very easily see um, the Socceroos hitting them on the break. Do you subscribe to that view, Kieran, or is this something that you uh, you price this match and you've got them at four dollars fifty? So clearly, you think they're uh, four dollars sixty. Sorry, you think they're outsiders going into this one? Yeah, they they are outsiders for sure. But I, I still think that Australia can come through in this game. Um, I've actually also taken something similar in, in Socceroos to win by one goal at six fifty. That's the winning margin market. Um, so yeah, they were very lucky, Denmark, to to beat Peru in that game. And obviously, given how well Australia were against France, Denmark are still a quality team. But I think the value might be on the Socceroos by exactly one. Has anyone got a first goal scorer for us? Andrew Debu paying ten dollars um, seems quite a lot for Australia's probably frontline striker. Um, Matt Lecky fifteen dollars. Tommy Rogers fifteen dollars. Millet maybe from another penalty eighteen dollars. Yeah, that's probably the the best value there, given the um, you know reliance on, on VAR and generally the the high level of penalties in the tournament. I think eighteen dollars Yednak or potentially on on the opposite side on Ericsson at seven dollars fifty for Denmark. Well, I'm, I'm very pleased, boys. We seem to be very uh, positive about the Socceroos' chances in this game. Um, which is good. That's the kind of spirit you want to go into a game. It's no good going into a game feeling like you're going to lose. So, uh, yeah, this is what a what a wonderful position to be in. Um, we'll we'll move on now to uh, France Peru. This is a um, this is an interesting one. Actually, you you surely have to think that Peru are within a within a chance of getting a a result here. They're paying seven dollars. France one dollar forty five. But to me, the that is that is money. That is value because I think France are disjointed. I think the amount of pressure that came on them internally in France after that game was enormous. Uh, they'll be feeling more pressure than almost any side uh, in the tournament. Despite getting the three points in the first game, they will be looking to uh, to send a message. And I think they'll probably try too hard. And I think Peru will have the uh, have just the wits and the the cunning to exploit them. And I don't think Peru are prone to making the same kind of mistakes that maybe um, that Australia will make. Um, interesting game, Brett. How do you see that one going? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, France are under enormous pressure here. Um, Peru very impressive. I think in the opening game um, against Denmark as. As we've discussed, they um, they played at a really high tempo. They got pace all over the pitch. Um, and for the uh, Peru national team and the Peruvian people, it's uh, it's a it's a massive game. So I think they'll really be up for it. I think France will be a, a little bit nervous after a fairly poor performance by their standards. So. I'm going to back Peru to win this one, two-one. Oh, very, very nice indeed, Kieran. What's your uh, what's your thought on France Peru? Yeah, look, I think 
really it's important not to kind of overreact too much to the uh, the first kind of game day in, in all these tournaments. You know, we've seen teams in the past, you know, like Spain in, in 2010, they lost against Switzerland. They went, went on to win the whole thing. I think France will get things together, but I still think they are very open defensively. So I think the angle here is probably France to win the game, but both teams to score. And that's playing $3.30. So $21 for Peru to win... Um Two one, and then um, you two seem to broadly agree. You just seem to have a different view as to where that second goal goes. If you're, uh, if you're, you know, minded like me and Brett, then you think that it will go to Peru. And if if you're more conservative and and probably a bit smarter than probably you're more on Kieran's uh, wavelength, then you think it's going to go to France. We'll move on to the next game, and I think potentially the game of the tournament so far: uh, Argentina versus Croatia. Um, enormous game for Argentina. Croatia will be surely desperate to um, grab top spot in that group. Um, really great opportunity for them to to you know put Argentina under enormous pressure very early on here. Is this is this going to be the the biggest game of the tournament so far? Are Argentina similarly to France under enormous pressure going into this one? Uh, we'll start with you, Brett. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um... <clears throat> I mean, you you play for the Argentinian national team. I think you you're always under enormous pressure, and there's huge expectations to do well. Um, it's a tough game. Croatia are a, are a are a strong outfit, so it's not going to be easy. But um, I think uh, the big players, such as Messi and Aguero, will will step up, and I think they'll get the job done. I'm going to go for a two nil. To Argentina. 2-0 to Argentina. Australia, uh, Argentina paying $2 just outright. Um, if you like the sound of that, 2-0 is $9. Kieran, I just imagine you've got one of your crafty uh, both teams to score type bets in this one. No, I haven't gone, not, haven't gone for the, the both teams to score in this one. I do think Argentina, again, you know, against Iceland, um, Iceland are very well organised and still Argentina should have won the game. I see them beating Croatia who themselves are a very good team, but I, I just see Argentina kind of correcting kind of their mistakes from the first game. And I think Messi as well, um, given, you know, how talkable the Messi versus Ronaldo comparison is as well. I think he's going to um, do something in this game. And I think Messi, anytime goal scorer in around the $2.10 mark is probably a bit of value. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I would be inclined to agree with you. Um <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll move on to the next game, which is Brazil-Costa Rica. This very lucky for Brazil that they're coming up against basically one of the one of the weaker teams in the competition in Costa Rica. Um, surely here, just um, a pretty routine sort of campaign writing victory for um, a Brazil team that's you know one of the most loaded competition uh, teams in the competition. They are paying one dollar fourteen. Costa Rica, a gigantic uh, twenty dollars. How do you see this one going, Kieran? Yeah, I actually think, yeah, Brazil, um, they weren't unlucky really against Switzerland. Switzerland did a very good job and limited Brazil to really not many kind of clear-cut chances. But this is a a different game altogether. Switzerland are known as being great defensively and Costa Rica certainly aren't. So I think for this one here, um, I went with an Asian handicap market on minus two, which means Brazil, if they win by three or more goals, you're paid out as a winner. Or if they win by exactly two, you get your money back. And that's paying two dollars and four cents. So I reckon that's a pretty good bit of value. Yeah, it does sound fairly good to me. Anything for you in this one, Brett? Yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be a nice little confidence booster for the Brazilian boys. I think uh, not that they 
played poorly in the first match. I think they just uh, obviously didn't convert the opportunities they created. I don't think that's going to happen again. I think they'll right their wrongs and come away comfortable winners for a zero. 4-0 paying $11. Um, I, I like the sound of that as well. It seems like you two are broadly on the same page there, uh, Kieran, with his Asian handicap market. I, I don't know anyone who has ever got on an Asian handicap bet. Please, <laughs> please send in, please tell me why you do that. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure there is, uh, I, Lord knows I'm not the greatest punter, so please explain. Um, it sounds like there's value to be had in the Asian handicap markets. <laughs> um, anyway, moving swiftly on, Serbia versus Switzerland. Um, important match for sort of both sides of this. Um, Serbia really impressed me. Uh, Milinkovic Savic, the standout player for me in the tournament so far. Um, the feat of Dimitar Berbatov, the passing of Paul Pogba, and um, just the, the general presence and, and ability to move around the pitch of, I don't know, not quite in that sort of uh, top echelon, but more of a Jordan Henderson type mobility. <laughs> so he doesn't have it all, but an incredible player to watch. Um, well, who do you see winning this one, uh, Brett? Surprisingly, I've uh, I've gone for a nil-nil scoreline. Ah, very good. I think um, I com- I completely agree. I think that's very likely. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's going to be. Um, yeah, it's really really hard to pick between these two sides. I think um, both performed uh, reasonably well in their first matches. So, hence the reason why I've I've gone for a nil-nil. Oh, that's playing the big seven dollars. Uh, Kieran, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I actually rated both teams quite similar here, and, and I think Serbia at three dollars is probably the best value in this one. Yeah, Milinkovic Savic, he's he's a great playmaker. He's been linked with Real Madrid. The reason that Serbia apparently sacked their manager coming into the World Cup was because he wouldn't play Milinkovic Savic. So they struggled at times in the qualification group, and yeah, he's a certain certainly a great flair player to have. So I think uh, Serbia three bucks is the value in this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll quickly move on to uh, Mexico versus South Korea. Mexico could be, I think, the first team to seal qualification, I think, if they win this game. Um, you'd have to think that they would do. Uh, South Korea were absolutely awful in the game against Sweden, which I think was, um, by consensus, the worst game of the tournament Um abysmal to watch and you know it's sad when you see a team like Sweden when you know there's a player like Zlatan Ibrahimovic even if only as a bit part player surely he has to come to a tournament like this um, and you know you just roll him on with 10 minutes to go and just see what happens there is no there is just no way in hell that Sweden have got the talent in that team to leave him out um, baffling for me um, and obviously they still got the win but uh, South Korea to go down here boys by a margin or will they upset the odds and 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 get it done uh we'll start with you kieran actually yeah i reckon i reckon mexico are certainly good things in this one halftime full-time is paying two dollars fifty tonight and given how well they performed against germany the mexicans and had poor south korea are i think 250 is a great price yeah i think that's a, a great shot and anything in this one for you brett no i agree i think mexico will be too good um I think in the, in the game against Sweden, uh, Korea didn't even register a shot on target. So um, I'm going to go with a, a 2 0 scoreline to Mexico. Very good indeed. Okay, the last game we're going to have a look at Germany versus Sweden. Enormous game for Germany, obviously. And, and you feel like they probably have got the uh, 
have got it in them to um, to beat Sweden. But now Sweden have seen how to get a result against Mexico uh, against Germany. I think Mexico gave an absolute masterclass in this. Um, Carlos Vela, a you know formerly of Arsenal, just seen by many as a a wasted talent, a sort of flaky winger, um, basically marked Tony Cruz after the game. Uh, Tony Cruz for me is one of the the best players in world football on his day and can can run a game and and win a game kind of off his own back. Um, but yeah, I think Mexico gave you an absolute masterclass in how to play this German side and showed that it is absolutely fallible. Um, do Sweden have the tools to mimic that kind of performance? Or are Germany going to come out here and do what Germany tend to do with an enormous bounce-back victory? Um, we'll start with you, Brett. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Sweden have got the the players to replicate what uh, Mexico were were able to do. Um, and for me, Germany are too good a too good a team to to not win this match. I think they'll they'll bounce back. Um, they're full of quality. Obviously, before the tournament, uh, equal favourites with Brazil to win. So I think they will um, they will bounce back and. Uh, win it fairly comfortably. I'm going to go for a 2 0. A 2 0 draw, so that's 6 50. Uh, Kieran? Yeah, I think Germany are actually going to be very nervous going into this one. Um, <laughs> as, as is likely um, before they actually play, Mexico will, will probably have beaten South Korea, putting a huge amount of pressure on Germany t- to win the game. Sweden are actually a decent team. Um, you know, to come second in a group with France and the Netherlands in qualification means that you know you must obviously have good quality about you so I think Germany will get over the line in the end but I think Germany to win by one goal and the winning margin at $3.30 is the play in this one Ah, very nice indeed so you you actually see something far tighter yeah I, I could I could see a, a 2-1 or something like that very good boys well we've we've managed to um, smash through a whole week of games there um, we'll we'll do another wrap next Monday um, and, and try and sort of preview the next few we'll try and get in here a few more times in between now and then to preview some games um, uh, to, sorry to review some games. Um, we'll have a dollar in every single bet that we've talked about, and we'll talk to who gets the uh, who gets the chockies as to the sports bet traders or the uh, the ex soccerer. Um, I know who my money's on, um, Brett. So don't let me down. Um, <laughs> um, I think you only need a couple of. Um, Kieran has done what soccer traders tend to do, or all of our traders tend to do, which are these these nifty little sure things in those both both to score. Type markets. You and I, we're going. No, yeah, underdog seven dollars three one. You know, correct score market twenty dollars. All we need is one of those yeah. to come off, and we're 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 quids in. <laughs> um, well, um, we'll we'll finish with just a quick um, like something you've learned from the tournament so far. Um, mine is the the African teams um, really 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 disappointing. Nigeria were um, really poor. Tunisia, Morocco. All of them have lost um, so far. Uh, Senegal, the only one to come. Um, I'm confused as to why. Um, hopefully Egypt can um, can book the trend with a win over Russia. Um, I think everyone... I don't think there's ever been so much an- animosity towards a host nation. I don't think anybody wants to see Russia go particularly far in this tournament. Um, uh, so hopefully they can get the bickies. But um, yeah, Russia... I mean, it makes sense. Um you know, African teams struggling on a, a continent, um, you know, that is unlike any other. Anyone who was watching the England game last night will have seen 
um, the absolute swarms of mosquitoes and bugs that were plaguing every single player on the pitch from from the moment the game started. I couldn't believe it was like it was like they were playing the game in Darwin or uh, you know uh, Central Australia somewhere. <laughs> it's the thing they never tell you about Australia is it's not the bloody crocodiles or the uh, spiders you need to worry about. It's the fucking flies everywhere. Um, Anyway, sorry, getting on to my own stuff. Uh, boys, anything, <laughs> anything, else, anything that you've learned from this tournament? We'll start with you, Brett. One thing that's uh, struck you about Russia 2018 uh, so far? Uh, I think um, I think we're we're probably certain to see the the most amount of uh, penalties ever awarded at a World Cup. Um, I think there's, like we spoke about, been seven or eight so far, um, and I think there'll be many more to come. It's, it seems like VAR has literally been brought in very specifically to award penalties. It doesn't seem to be used almost any other time. Uh, like so far, we haven't seen a an offside. We haven't seen it used for any kind of retroactive punishment of players for simulation. Like, is it just like penalty assistance? And if it is just that, can we just call it that well, so we, that people have an understanding? We did see goal line technology doing the France Australia game. Yeah. So. Which, which, uh, but I, I, other than other than that, that's the only other uh, case where it's been used for something other than awarding a penalty. So, yeah, um, we'll wait and see. I've um, I've looked at that goal, the second uh, France goal, from every single angle that's conceivably possible, and I've, um, I um, yeah, I can't see how it, it's entirely over the line. It's the the official ruling was that it was uh, four millimeters over the line. <laughs> is the technology that good? It be- the problem I have with this right is that it behoves the creators of the technology to tell you that it is that good because if they tell you that it is that good, that means that it gets sort of introduced in more and more stadiums, in more and more grounds, and more and more levels of football. Um, I'm just not convinced it is. Talk to any cricketer about any top cricketer about um, Hawkeye, and I'm, and I'm sure you'll have the same response. Anyway, um, these well, might my, be my my initial reaction to watching the goal live was it had crossed the line by, I guess, more than that margin. It looked comfortably in to me mm-hmm. um, first looking at it, but um, having a look at the VR, it was much closer than what I expected it to be. But mm-hmm. um, Unfortunately for the Aussies, I think it uh, it did it did fully go over. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit maybe it's my uh, my my one eye is giving me a lack of depth perception. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, Kieran, anything that you've learned in the tournament so far? Yeah, I think it's just the importance of uh, of starting, you know, playing well early, getting getting wins under your belt. Because as we've seen with how the draw is kind of opening up, and um, with all the shocks that we've seen so far. In I suppose match day one, um, things can look very different very quickly, and certainly that's you know how how it looks now with you know six or seven of the top teams on potentially one side, and then maybe two of the top and the other. So you're saying that the um, if you're going to have a dip on the futures market, now is the time to start looking at that side of the draw because potentially one or two strong teams in that side. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I look at the likes of Mexico and Croatia, and you know they would certainly fancy their chances of making the quarters or the semis uh, at this stage. So I can see, um, I can see Kieran's bracket, um, and he's got. Let's have a look at what he's got here. This is very exciting. He's got Spain, Croatia, Mexico versus England. He's got England beating um, 
Mexico, Spain beating Croatia, Spain and England in the, the semi-final. Wow, that is amazing. I love uh, all the thought that's going into this. Are there any sort of insights that you have from a betting perspective so far that um, that has served punt as well? Are there any markets that are uh, over-indexing? Well, obviously, we talked about the, the penalty situation. So, mm. you know, penalties are have been quite popular so far. And... Um, yeah, apart from that, like, yeah, we're seeing, obviously, with the special that we have, we're seeing um, a lot of money being laid on, on both teams to, to win the game as well. Yeah, it's not the worst idea. Anyway, thank you very much, gentlemen. Um, it's been a pleasure as always. Um, if you've got any questions for Brett, you can uh, you can send them directly to Sportsbet on Facebook or Twitter, and we'll do our best to uh, ask the great man. Sorry, I shouldn't say great man. That is the uh, the quintessential Australian thing to call anybody. Um, the, <laughs> we'll do our best to ask Brett uh, those questions. It's a great man. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is of course true. I just try to stay away from uh, from uh, cliches, especially Australian ones. Given that my accent is a Mancunian one, uh, yeah. anyway, they don't they don't always ring so true. Um, anyway, uh, thanks very much, guys. Um, we'll I'll try and catch up with you uh, either at the end of this week or the start of next, and um, we'll see you soon. Cheers, Ollie. Thank you. And of course, when you're gambling on the World Cup, when you're gambling on anything in fact always gamble responsibly always stick within your means set limits and stick to them thanks very much 